Welcome to episode 216 of Saturday Football Uncensored, brought to you by Saturday Down South and Texas Pete. On today's episode, we preview and predict conference champions and bring in special guest Drew Butler to talk the SEC championship game. You can find the show on our website, SaturdayDownSouth.com and Apple and Spotify. Don't forget to join us for the live show, recording of the show every Sunday at 8 Eastern time on the Saturday Down South YouTube page. And now, here's the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Saturday Football Uncensored, brought to you by Saturday Down South in Texas Pete. I'm your host, Tyler Huck, and with me, as always, my co-host, Chris Marler. Chris, this is the last week of the quote-unquote regular season. This is technically postseason, but... I'm so scared. Me too. Um, yeah, you Yeah, you too. I'm not used yeah. to you having this much time on the line. Usually we're like, oh, just missed the Independence Bowl this year. Dude, I got, I like, I got, so it's like, it's award season, you know? So I, suddenly, so I had to like submit some of my awards for, I think I did Maxwell, Bednarik, and Groza so far. And uh, Did you vote for uh, my boy, Ryan Fitzgerald? He's not even on the top three. Did you have Ray Guy? Yeah. No, I didn't get, I didn't get Ray Guy. Oh. Yeah. Um, it would I just know. be the punter from Iowa, without a doubt. <laughs> Like without a doubt, um, if you can score eighteen points a game and we'll go ten and two, the punter has to be one of the best punters. They score the eighteen points per game. Yeah, Do, have Looking you seen the total? The, the I sent you a text last night about it, the team total. <laughs> it's just incredible. I mean, one of the most Wait, incredible. Why? <laughs> for the first for both halves, right? Both halves. So Vegas is like. Do you think they will score a single solitary point? There was a game that Michigan played earlier this year. I screenshot and sent it to you. I think it was Michigan State, where it was like, like they they had like um, I don't know, it was something weird. Where, where but I remember seeing it. And it was like their first half was twenty seven. Their team total in the first half was twenty seven, and Michigan State was like was point five. And I was like, I don't think I've ever seen that before. I don't think I've ever seen that before. And now Iowa's in a conference champion championship is point five for both. Whatever. Yeah, uh, I saw the team total was six and a half. I was like, you know what? Like, they do have a good defense. Maybe they have a pick six, fumble return, kick return. They got a good punt returner. Like, yeah, you can't just score one touchdown. You're six and a half point team total. It's unreal. Unreal is right. Uh, we have a lot to get into tonight. Um, but before we get our special guest on to talk SEC championship. I want to talk a little bit about the portal opening up for grad students to transfer. Uh, we've seen a lot of quarterbacks hit the portal. Some that I think are actually pretty damn good. Um, we saw Max Johnson commit to UNC today. I don't know if you saw yeah. that. Um, Will Howard from Kansas State is out there in the portal. Tyler Van Dyke from Miami. Will Rogers, Mississippi State. Max Brown, the kid that Florida was starting the last two games of the year. He's out. KJ Jefferson, rumors he may or may not go in the portal. That is shocking. It's shocking to me that he saw his eligibility. He can still play. Well, it's up for debate. Wait, hold on. Have we talked since the last episode about Bobby Petrino? We mentioned it last night on the uh, the rankings re- reaction, but just an incredible feat. I mean, him. against I mean, all odds, you. I you mean, are, all odds. That is that is the uh, that is the equivalent of like the 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 what do you call it that you see always. On um, what do you call it? Uh, like the, the IG reel, always on what do you call it? 
the IG reel where it's like, like somebody walks back into like their friend group's house after like she swore she was done with like dating this this dude and then she's like, I'll never give another chance again. And then this guy walks back in. Yeah. This is the greatest season of Bachelor in Paradise we are ever about to witness. It's why college football still remains the best sport of all time. It's just you don't see this kind of stuff in any other sport. No. I mean, like you see rotating like 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 revolving doors of the same coaches. We joke around that a joke about joke around about that a lot. Um, Muschamp and Bobo and and like some of those guys, but this is this is next level. This is next level. So I argue that he should show up to his like introductory press conference with a neck brace. Oh yeah, yeah. roll in a motorcycle, neck brace, and then just take it off. I'm just goofing, y'all. <laughs> y'all remember me? Yeah, y'all remember me? Yeah, come on. Y'all got any staffers around here? I'm just playing. I'm just playing. You know, we got to go <laughs> Misbehaving. <laughs> um, uh, off the yeah. rails already. So I don't know. Maybe KJ Jefferson decides to stay now that the great Bobby Petrino is his OC. So, so I thought that was like my first thought. I was like, that's a perfect thing for him to do. Because, and I thought the choice would be he's either going to go pro or he's going to come back and play another year under by Petrino. And then we found out this morning that he, like it's rumored, Brad Crawford from 247 Sports, actually a former SCS employee, he, he's a South Carolina guy. And he said, it's rumored that this championship week banner looks good. This, this looks good today. Um, he said it, 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 it was rumored that he was going to go to South Carolina. And then KJ Jefferson threw up like an Instagram story where he was like, there's nothing finalized yet. Like I haven't said anything. Like that, that whole thing is kind of crazy to me, but I think that he's someone I respect enough that where he, he wouldn't have just said it. Brad Crawford just wouldn't have said that if there wasn't some sort of rumors to it. Um, I'll tell you the one that, that is surprising that hasn't gotten more traction is Will Howard. Will Howard is one of the most, I think, underrated quarterbacks in the country. Um, yeah. has I, been for two I wonder if that coach is going somewhere because he's transferring the kid that was there at the running back that transferred out of Florida State was there yeah. for a year. He's transferring out now. There's like a bunch of Kansas State players randomly transferring. I don't understand that at all. Um, um, hold on. Yeah. I'm Will Howard right now. This is this is like – and I think I feel like he also – yeah, he had nine touchdowns on the ground. So this season alone, this season alone, he had 33 total touchdowns. You look at his passing numbers. Um, he had one game where he, like, he struggled like early on especially. Uh, he had five – I'm sorry – Jesus, he had seven interceptions in his first five games. After that, so after the midway point um, in his final six games, this kid had five, nine, uh, 15 touchdowns and three interceptions. That was one of the things I remember. Um, this is one of the things that I remember looking at last year. I think it was like a prop bet for like for uh, um, bowl season was his over was one and a half um passing touchdowns and it was like that in like almost every single game like in the big 12 championship and some other stuff like things like that he's consistently been putting up like a lot of a lot of points for whoever he's in charge of right like like half the season a year ago in 2022 um almost every game he had at least two uh, passing touchdowns I, I think he's like very very underrated i'm not i'm surprised that more has not been made of him being in the portal yeah well Grace McCall is now in the portal as well. There, there's going to be 
I just wonder if a team, it's just so interesting. There's so many dynamics to each team. Like I think about Florida. So Max Brown transfers out. You got uh, presuming Graham Mertz comes back next year. Yeah. He had a pretty good year this year, like a lot better than I think most people thought he would have done yeah. at Florida. But then it's like, is that really going to get you through their gauntlet next year? Or do you take a shot at like a Will Howard or a KJ Jefferson? No, no, Mertz is your guy. KJ Jefferson would be perfect for Napier's offense. He's like, he's not as athletic as yeah. Anthony Richardson, but he's a much better passer and he's a different style runner. But I mean, yeah, I, I don't know, man. I, I, I just kind of feel like the way that, the way that him him aligning with what they have at South Carolina makes more sense. But here's the other thing too: is that like South Carolina, nothing on the offensive line. So you, if you can't upgrade there, at least get a quarterback that's basically indestructible. True, it works out well for them. I don't know how well that works out for him. I mean, I, I agree, but we've already seen we've already also seen them take a very high profile name from a Power Five starting position. Yep. And then have some success with them, and I think Spencer Rattler is like he's had he's had a lot of success there. So I, I don't I don't know if he's the right fit. The one that makes the most sense to me, Riley Leonard leaving to go to either Notre Dame or Auburn. Yep. Riley Leonard or Grayson McCall. I think Grayson McCall, honestly, more than Riley Leonard, um, is a perfect fit for Hugh Freeze's offense. Yeah, well, I don't know, man. I think Riley Leonard is too, though. I mean, he's that kid went healthy. Is, he he does, but I mean, Freeze implements that, doesn't he? Didn't yeah, swag not as much. Wasn't Swag Kelly running around all over the place? Yeah, but Bo Wallace wasn't. <laughs> well, Bo Wallace has other things going on these these days. He's like me. Yeah, he's like just fighting people on Twitter. He is like you on X. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I thought that was interesting. Just the portal season. And this is the only people that can transfer right now are grad students. December 4th right. is when the portal actually opens up to everybody. And I think it's just going to be crazy how many people, you know, Dion seeing a lot of guys transfer out. Um, it's just going to be an interesting couple, couple weeks. Um, Hold on We're with Dion before we bring our guest. Dion, did I read correctly? They were playing games this season without proper healthcare coverage. Yeah. Like disability insurance in case there's an injury. Yeah. It's tough. You're a better adult than I am. I need you to go into that right now. So disability insurance, you can buy uh, in case you get injured and you can't work. You can still make a paycheck. Affleck. Um, and you have that. Yes. A lot of employers will just give their employees that because yeah. it's a thing to do for a benefit for the employee. Right. Um, a lot of colleges now, especially with NIL, since these kids are making money or they're protecting their future value in the NFL if they're star kids on the team, like a Travis yeah. Hunter at Colorado. If they have, like Jordan Travis going down with the injury, I think it's going to be okay for the, for his prospects for the NFL, but if it wasn't, his disability policy would pay out. Or maybe you would have gone in the first round, but because of your injury, you went in the fourth round, you lost this amount of money, so we're going to pay you that. Mm -hmm. There's things in place so these kids don't have a career-ending injury and they're just left on the street. Colorado, in this case, decided, meh, it's just an, it's an added expense we don't really need, you know? That's unreal. Yeah. We, I'll tell you another thing we never even talked about, which is, is still wild to me, is that, like, Arizona had, a like, a budget error where they accidentally spent, like, $250 million more than they had. <laughs> That's yeah. insane. Two fifty. 
Can you imagine that meeting? Like the guy that the like the CFO for the athletic department. He's like, they're in the meeting. They're like, something just didn't add up. He's like, ah, the decimal. I I accidentally moved it over two spots. Actually, four spots. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that's not good. Uh, Last thing I wanted to mention before we start breaking out some of these games. Mm-hmm. You see that Georgia's DB coach, who has been one of the premier recruiters for the Georgia staff, is leaving for the Syracuse head coaching job. I did. I love that. So I hope a- he has both feet out the door. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, now Kirby is a DB coach himself, so I don't know how much. Yeah, it'll be fine. Really matters, but um, been rumored that Florida fired Corey Raymond after one year. That was supposed to be like an all-star hire. What? Rumors that Georgia may try to replace Fran Brown with Corey Raymond, potentially. So, we'll see. It's going to be like the college football offseason these days with the portal and like all the coaches moving is almost just as fun as the season sometimes. I It's starting to get that way. I think it, like at first it's, it does feel like a lot is happening and it's hard to keep up with. But yeah. I... It's. I think this is easier for me, at least, to watch and keep track of, because it's in season, right? Like, what's what? What I do not like is that, like, that little time from like air, like April to August, where you're like, hold on, so and so is where now? I feel like an old man learning about like his like yeah. daughter's friends or something. It's like, so Missy's the one that plays soccer. Okay, no, no book face the other day. And I swear to God, I saw, yeah. Um, it's weird. It's, it's you know, these guys like Phil Steele that put out the preseason magazines, like they're having to change things like right up until they're chipping I don't know how out. to do it. Yeah. I, uh, man. Like Keon Coleman transferred to Florida State, I think in like May. Yeah. And they've got those things pretty much ready to go start printing before then, like because it's after the spring games and like, right. all right, this is the roster. And then, like, that's a pivotal piece of the the pie for Florida State. And, like, he just wasn't even around for spring ball. Phil Steele, we love Phil Steele, and he's awesome. Oh. But the more that I – the more information that comes out, the more information – the more, like, information that I need to know, I feel like the less I get from Phil Steele as the years go on. Because, like, the thing just becomes more and more words about him being like – let's not forget, last year I said this was going to be my seventh best – most improved team in the Southern Hemisphere. And I wasn't there far off. They finished fifth. You're like, yeah. uh, all right. Yeah, it is a lot of the most accurate predictions the last 15 years running. I, he needs to also fucking fall in line with the recruiting rankings because even then he has like his position rankings that are his own. So it's like he was like the position unit ranking number 226. And I'm like, <sighs> So much math. It's a lot of information. I won't stop buying the magazine though. It's just no, really for sure, for sure. I will also tell you now that we're still waiting on Drew, um, and we're talking about bragging about ourselves. I finished the month on Twitter with ten point six million impressions, which That's is crazy. you're gonna get a check in the mail. No, I'm not. Uh, you you know that in the first month when they started doing that, like in August, I made like several hundred dollars. And I had like 6 million views. I think I had like, it's in August, I did like 6.5, 6.9 the next month and then six. And he just, he just changed like the, the numbers on it. So like the first month I was like, oh my, I'm going to, this is like, you know, it, like it basically would be like a little bit of a side hustle. Cause it's like, you're bringing in several extra hundred dollars that, you know, for just tweeting. And then like last month, I think I did like 
seven million and I got like a check for nineteen dollars and ninety eight cents in my my Chase account. I was like, "Thanks, Grandma." Feels like ninety eight. Feels like ninety eight, brother. Um. All right. Well, while we're waiting for Drew, do we want to go into the Friday game before we get to the Saturday slate? No, because as soon as he gets here, we're gonna start talking about this one. Okay. Right. Yeah. I mean, we could also talk a little bit. We 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 talked a bunch about it last night, but um, turns out I might have overreacted a little bit about the playoff rankings. Yeah. No, it comes with well, Ohio State, that was still the funniest part of the entire episode. Yeah, oh, that, was that was funny. There's no way. There's no way they make it. And you were like, there's a pretty clear path. So, like, <laughs> um, so that was that was something. I will say that... Uh, if anything, the path some- historically has been would be much tougher for Texas and Alabama because a seven, the, the lowest seed going into conference champion week that's ever made it is a six seed. Yeah. Yeah, um, it's interesting, man. I think there's just it's going to be a lot of fun. I think this weekend, I'm I'm honestly not just because I'm a Bama guy. I'm hoping for chaos, just because I would like there to be chaos. Drew looks fucking pissed. Um, so, but yeah, man, I'm just hoping for chaos. What what if we just like wrote it out and just didn't bring him in? Just like let him stay in like the the waiting room and see how long it took to <laughs> say anything. And as okay. soon as he texted, just be like, not now, Drew. We're in the middle of something. Ah. Uh. What's, What's up, up fellas? Dude? How are y'all? Good, man. Good. Just honored to get the invite. You know, I was hoping and praying after um, it turned to championship week. I was like, maybe Chris and Tyler will invite me on. It seems like a pretty important week. So thanks, boys. It's the first uh, person to reach out to. Thank you. Are you sure about that? I, I don't know why you keep saying this. Like last time you brought this up, you're like, I wonder how many people I had. <laughs> well, when you text me, you know. <laughs> When you when you text me you're like, hey, I'm doing a podcast in three minutes. Can you come on? I was like, all right, I get it. That's okay. I, That's I'm so in the hard. game too. I get it. I get it. I'm bad at planning. Look at my life. I mean, yeah. yeah. Thanks, Tyler. Appreciate it. I usually find I usually find out about the guests about three minutes before the pod as well. Yeah, so, it makes you feel any better, Tyler. Almost, let me just you know let me uh, allow me to offer an olive branch. You know, it's just such a bummer what happened to Jordan Travis. Uh, I've been one of oh, Florida yeah. State's biggest supporters all season long. Um, and now just listening to all the analysts and the talking heads on TV, you're just, you're reading the tea leaves yeah. and, and it just, it seems like they're going to get boned one way or another on Sunday. I, and, I, and I hate it. I hate it. I agree. It's, I've been telling my buddies back from school. I'm just like, it just seems like ESPN is setting up the narrative. They've been doing it for the last couple. As soon as Travis got hurt, they're like, you yeah. can't let him in, can you? Yeah. And it's Stop. like, it is all about the, the, the ratings, you know, as much as. Herb Street wants to get on there and fight for, we got to get the four best. It's like, no, yeah. they're going to get the best ratings. <laughs> An impassioned Kirk Herb Street, yeah. you know, yeah. fired up. I was like, damn. Oh, okay. It's flat out, huh? <laughs> yeah. So yeah. that reaction to fourth and 31 was awesome. Yeah, that was okay. So I was, um, I was doing our Saturday night show on Atlanta News first. And when we're sitting in the studio, because it's the local CBS feed, we're watching it on the TVs, but we're about to go on. So we have our earpieces in. So we're hearing the audio like a good 15 seconds before what we're seeing on TV. So we're watching it and it's fourth and goal. And I'm just hearing Nestler and Danielson going crazy into my ear. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. I cannot wait to see how this turns out. So I'm, I'm hearing it happen. That's he caught awesome. it back in the end zone. Yeah. And then it's like the ball's getting snapped. I was like, oh, my God, here we go. So that was a, that was a wild game. I will say, man, it, it really is like I 
there's like a few times like a Bama fan that you feel like you can like kind of like like really gloat in like a a way that's not super douchey. And I think this is like this is like one of those things. It was like really cool because you just don't have those moments at well, you're a Georgia guy, so we've had a couple of those moments against I guess against Georgia. But like Well, yeah, you, you most certainly have. I thought the the most telling part of that game and even the way Auburn played Georgia yeah. is that's the number one reason why they hired Hugh Freeze. Yep. Because Hugh Freeze has had success against Kirby Smart while he was at Alabama. And of course he's not afraid of Nick Saban. So you, you just go to show without the most talented teams and without the highest expectations, the two best games they played all season long were against Georgia and Alabama. Granted, they were both at home, but I think it just shows if you wanted to take any optimism out of that game, if you're an Auburn fan, I think it gives you a little bit of hope for the future. Well, I don't want any of them to have any optimism. I could tell by your, by your Twitter feed. My goodness. I was like, what did I do? This dude is, you know, it was exhausting. Following you on Twitter, sometimes it feels like. Yeah, I need to be what institutionalized. I said I, I have. This is a little behind the scenes. I, I said this finally yesterday to to New Alley. I said, "Listen, nope, don't I, go she doesn't. Okay. I bet she doesn't like it." <laughs> where were you watching the game? Where was I? Yeah, where were you? So I have been dog sitting for my parents' house for like two or three weeks. Right, they're they're in Greece. They decided to come back early. So I was like, okay, well, I got like already planning on being here. Like I've got like all my stuff. Like I'm gonna watch the game from over here. Okay, Drew, I tell you, like they don't give a shit about college football, yeah. right? Right? Like like my stepdad, he'll pull for Georgia, and he, he he like knows a lot about like football and like knows a lot about everything. To be honest, but like I um I am sitting here and I'm like a nervous wreck. In, in like and I'm watching at their house. And I'm like, keep in mind that uh, your your Auburn girlfriend was supposed to be there watching the game with you. Yes. Which she would have been an there, all-time moment. Good. Yeah, good for you. I mean, that was probably the right decision. Yes, thank God. Yeah, that, that was, thank God. But like, we we're sitting there, and and I was like, I was like, I, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna have to watch this in here with you guys. I'm like, I'm sorry. And I was telling Tyler, I look over, and my my stepdad is sitting in this in this recliner, and and I'm like, I'm like pacing and blah blah. blah. And I and I walk back in after they fumbled the punt. I go, I gotta watch this in here with you guys. I'm sorry. I I, I, I don't know what to do. And he just like slowly reclines up. <laughs> and just like dips and i was like yeah it's fair that's very fair um but no so like when it, when it happened because i just like when, as soon as they got down there i was like okay maybe something could happen maybe something could happen and then that snap that bad snap i was like this is wild and i was on like the most delay so i was watching it like in the corner of like this extra room yeah and no one said a word in the house and i just let out i was like oh oh <laughs> freaking out it was awesome it was i'll tell awesome. you what though this is the last thing we'll say about that game because it's in yeah. the past and we're on to the sec championship but mm-hmm. by succeeding on fourth and goal from the 31 nobody's talking about the boneheaded mistake Jalen milrow made by crossing the line of scrimmage coming back throwing had to burn the time out lost another 10 yeah. yard i was like he really bailed himself out and again that was an amazing play so more credit to him i guess oh, Bama just know. finds a way I'm going to also tell you right now, and I don't think this is any secret, okay? I think I've been okay for a lot for a lot of the times this year. But if Bama beats Georgia this weekend, <laughs> if you thought the uh, Iron Bowl I mean, was insufferable, you need to you need to mute me for But what it, what would your reasoning be behind that? I mean, by all accounts, Alabama by far and away a better team than Auburn. Yeah, you know, like, yeah. like there was so much more to lose in that game, right? Right. So, I mean, I, 
to each their own. Like, do your thing. Absolutely. Why was I being a dick to Auburn fans? Well, that, that's expected. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I was have like a ton of. Uh, I drank a lot that night. I'll be honest with you. And also, like, I mean, like it time just, and a place. It just time became. It just became one of those. Things. Yeah, time and a place to like maybe put the thumbs away though. Also, which I have not done a good job of at times. Because I just, I, I think that like that's what it pays it, the bills, man. You can't. Yeah, you, you come on. Bro, you put them in the little. It. Put them in the little thumb slots. You still got that? <laughs> this is the same shirt. I haven't taken it off since like the last three weeks. Stinky, smaller. That's so rude. Love um. It. All right, let's get into this game. Let's get into this game. So I, I think that going into it, it is – Tell, am I crazy or does it seem like there's not as much being talked about this week with it as, as opposed it to like, – It doesn't feel as big as it has been in the past, and I think it's just because Georgia's been on such a run. Right. And maybe it's like, all right, Bama – maybe like Bama was kind of written off for the first half of the year. Yeah. And then they got a lot better in the second half, and then they have the close game against Auburn. Maybe – I, maybe people think it's not going to be a close game. I don't really know, but it's not getting a lot of hype. Are you like, talking about just in the general consensus of the college football landscape? Like in yeah. years past Georgia, Alabama, it almost yeah. seemed like that de facto national championship yeah. type right. I, I think it has to do with a lot more of the consequences of the college football playoff, depending on what happens in the other games. Right. You know, like Friday night, we're going to learn a lot. Uh, and then Saturday midday, like I think the Texas line is way out of whack. 15 and a half points. Are you kidding me? Um, and then rolling into that Alabama Georgia game. I mean, what you're hearing right now, and I, I agree with them to a point the, the the phrases we're hearing are one eye test two most deserving mm-hmm. and then three best team. Uh, and the college football playoff committee keeps backing themselves into a corner by saying, you know, we never talk about most deserving team. They they do mention eye tests, which to me is crazy that they're the ones mentioning eye right. tests. And now they're doubling down saying it's all about the best team. Well, now you have people who are very educated and understand the game very well. You know, two off the top of my head are Josh Pate and Kirk Herbstreet who are saying, okay, you're, you're, you're putting it out there. If you're truly going to go with best team. And this game this weekend between Georgia and Alabama – is expected to be, as we all come to expect it, a knockdown, drag out, just mm-hmm. heavyweight fight. Look, if it comes down to the last two minutes of the fourth quarter, you cannot convince me that these are not two of the best teams in college football. Right. I- I'm sorry. So if that's what it is, you know, Tyler, I'm sorry. Florida State probably on the outside looking in. Um, yep. Oregon, Washington, winner of that game probably gets in, of course. And then it's probably going to be Texas. I, you know, I don't know. But I think yeah. the reason why this game is not getting the hype that it has in years past is because there's so much else going on outside of this game that will determine who the final four teams are. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, I, I think, like, for me, I, I I thought at first, I was like, I wonder if it's just because they, they're just so dead set on Georgia being the best team in the country. And it's hard not to be, right? Like, like they are the best team in the country, whether it be by resume, in my opinion, with, like, like – I was arguing again on Twitter, of course, today, and there was like a Penn State fan talking about how like the Big Ten tricked the schedule, and I was like, man, you look at like like just from, just from a ranked opponent standpoint, Georgia has beaten more teams that are ranked this month than <laughs> Penn State, for instance, who's who's top ten has beaten in the last four years combined. I mean, that's crazy. That's insane. Yeah, that's crazy. Right. It's only three, but it's still like it's still insane. And, and there's a lot to be said too. I totally agree with that. But there's a lot to be said, and I, I think all coaches in the SEC would say it. Kirby mm-hmm. Smart has been very vocal about it this year. 
hey, if, you, if you're talking trash about the SEC, yeah. come play it. Because I'm afraid it might not be what you expect right. week in and week out. So, you know, I, I did think it was also interesting. And I was one of the only ones who thought to myself, well, I don't know, maybe you guys were in the same line of thinking. I was like, I'm really interested to see if they move Michigan to number one this week. Yeah. Because that would have allowed the committee with Georgia being at two to then bounce them to five if they were to lose this game. Right. And Alabama, and then they could have really shuffled some things. The one thing that I do just I, I I believe this in my heart of hearts, and and I know why they don't do it. But it, what would the ratings be like if they televised the last college football playoff committee meeting, so the public could just see what the debates are, see yes. what the conversations are, and, and 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 it's okay. We're all we're not that smart. We don't know everything. We know mm. your college administrators. Like you don't have the nuclear codes. You no, know, you're not you're no. not solving world peace. Like, let us in in the conversation. We're yeah. not going to be able to change anything about what you're saying. I just want to know what the hell is being said in those meetings. What points are being brought up? Who's on what side? It would be fascinating. It would be funny. And ultimately, I think, Chris and Tyler, it would be sad. We'd all be like, wow, I can't believe these are the people who yeah. are deciding the Final Four teams. Luke Corrigan is drinking fucking Fresca right now and had <laughs> cola. Like, this guy sucks. <laughs> It's unbelievable. And, yeah. and, you know, that's why, like, put it on C-SPAN. I don't give a shit. I, I right. want to see what they're saying. I don't care if it lasts eight hours. Mm -hmm. I think it needs to be shown to the American public. This I much, I promise you. I love that. That's just what I think. All right, well, let's get into this game. We're trying uh, to get into the game. I've got, my, I've got my notes here. I've come prepared. All righty. <laughs> Sound like me. I love it. I was kind of I was taking a look at some of the advanced metrics and I was trying to see kind of maybe the biggest difference between like kind of the best unit for one team and the worst for the other and see kind of where this game would be won. Where is that in your regard? Like, is it the Bama defense against the Georgia offense or is it what, what do you think is the biggest mismatch here? The biggest mismatch is Jalen Milrose's athleticism and Georgia's perimeter defense vulnerabilities. I mean, I mean, that's what it is. And, and I don't think anybody would go into this game and, and not say the most important thing is to limit Jalen Milrose's impact on the game. I was asked today in an interview, what's the number one thing you like about Georgia's defense? And I said, they're in-game adjustments. <laughs> you know, there's no surprise that in the last six games or maybe even seven games, the opponent scored first. Georgia's able to make really quick adjustments and then even more so coming out of halftime. Uh, I, I just taped with Jake from punt and pass. And I was like, Jake, how do you stop Jalen Milrow? And he like kind of chuckles. He's like, well, I mean, I guess here's what you can try to do. I mean, there, right. there's no real way how you can do it. And what it comes down to is your edge rushers rush to contain. And Jake said the interior linemen have really got to push and get up in his face to make things collapse, mm -hmm. not to flush him out. Cause that's the worst case scenario. He's like, you have to collapse the pocket and then God forbid you're able to get a hand on him, bring him down, which saying out loud sounds next to impossible with the way he's been playing the last couple of weeks. I, I think honestly, if you, if you get him to a situation, especially if, if they have the ball, this, this sounds crazy specific, but it's been something that's happened over and over and over again this year. If they have the ball, on like the right hash and you have him close to the boundary, if you can flush him out to his right, I have seen repeatedly this year where mm -hmm. he has refused to throw the ball out of bounds and, and take like a four to six yard loss instead of just dumping the ball out of bounds. And, and he did it a couple of times against Auburn, but it was all going to his left. I don't know why that is, 
Yeah. So I, I think, and listen, if, if I'm seeing that, I'm sure Kirby sees something along those lines, right? Like, so I, I don't know. I, don't, I mean, you're definitely a better game planner and defensive schemer than Kirby Smart, but I, I hope he's on it. I hope yeah, he's same, on it. same, totally. Uh, Drew, the middle school team that I coached 15 years ago, we gave like 600 yards a game. So <laughs> um, anyway, no, I, I, I think that like there's definitely ways to bottle him up. I, I think you also have to rattle him a little bit because yeah. he's playing with such confidence. The the rattling of it, like the way Texas was, and I, I think that that's a very different game. It's week two. He doesn't really have his feet under him yet and all that kind of stuff. Totally different. I, but I, I really think that, like, when you look at what Bama's going to try to do, you'd be crazy to think that it starts with him. I guess my question would be, after what we've seen with some team success against Georgia, especially, especially Mizzou, do you think that Bama might try to lean almost too much on, on, on some of these stretch plays and getting Jason McClellan, some of these running backs, if, Jason, if, if he's not no. in here, on the, on the, on the edges? No, that's exactly what you do. I mean, look what Georgia Tech did last week. Now, I yeah. know that's different, and of course, in-state rivalry, all that stuff, but Buster Faulkner, who's, who's a great offensive mind, Parkview who has a lot of familiarity with Georgia, Parkview High School, you, you know, the pre-snap motions, uh, the lateral misdirection, all the linemen moving side to side, like they got Georgia out into the perimeter, and then what was Haynes King doing? I'm, I'm surprised they went away from it in the second half, but he was pulling that ball and getting upfield almost immediately. Mm-hmm. Now, in the traditional run game, if you try to run at Georgia, that's not a good recipe. Um, right. And that was one reason why I thought they would have a lot of success against Ole Miss is because Quinshawn Judkins is a north-south runner. And mm-hmm. they like to get upfield quick, and that's not how you beat Georgia. Nick Saban's not going to try to beat Georgia like that. That's no. exactly what happened in 2021. Bryce Young, he got outside the pocket really quick. It was that short-to-intermediate pass game, and, and they came out firing. So... No, you've got to attack Georgia that way. And, of course, Georgia will be ready for it in a sense. Jace McClellan's really come on as of late. But on the flip side, Kendall Milton has been playing the best football of his oh, time at Georgia by a, by a wide margin. Mm-hmm. So so it could very well be one of those classic um, in-the-trenches, you know, hand-to-hand combat, run game and defense, SEC championships. And, yeah. and I wouldn't be surprised if it was that way or if it breaks out into a uh, shootout. Yeah. I, I saw a stat where first half over Georgia's gone over in 10 of the last 14 and Bama eight of the last 12. Wow. That's like a great that. stat. I like that stat. I saw, you know, the esteemed Connor O'Gara came out with his Alabama and Atlanta statistics today. And of course th- there's something to be said for that undefeated in Mercedes Benz stadium, eight straight sec title wins, mm-hmm. which is no small feat. 16 and 0 in Atlanta since 2008. 12 of those 16 wins coming by double digits. That's awesome. I mean, good for them. It's, <laughs> it's, it's a new year. I, I will say that. Um, and the one thing that I found this year that, that's interesting and, and transitive properties in college football don't exactly go apples to apples, but they've had four common opponents. And Georgia's point differential is 12 and a quarter points better than Alabama. Yeah. Cumulatively. In those four games. Well, on average, they both right? played Ole Miss at home. Georgia beat Ole Miss by 38. Bama beat them by 14. They both played at Auburn. Georgia won by seven. Bama won by three. That fucking pick six at the end, man. Really. I know, right? Georgia had, played Kentucky up. at home. Beat them by 38. Alabama was at Kentucky. Beat them by 28. And then Georgia went to Knoxville. Beat Tennessee by 28. Bama played Tennessee at home. Beat Tennessee by 14 points. So cumulatively, Georgia's 12 and a quarter points better 
in their common opponents. So, I mean, take that what you will. I just found that to be interesting. No, I think it's huge. I think I think that's huge. I, like, and and tell, I don't know if I'm stepping on your question, but that like kind of feeds into what I was going to say. Like, like, my I have I have two more questions for you before a prediction, and and like I'll throw the first one out as. How many points do you think Bama has to get to have a chance at beating Georgia? 30. 30? Yeah. I mean, that my my score prediction right now, we'll just get to it. I, I think yeah. I said 37 28, something like that. Fair. Like right, like right around that number. Yeah. Um, you know, 37. Mean, that's just kind of like the general like high 30s for Georgia, high 20s for Alabama. Yeah. Um, I think that 30 numbers and inflection point for, for Georgia's defense, that's kind of where it's been historically for Kirby Smart. But um, man, it's gonna be it's gonna be a great game. And again, like if Alabama shows what they're worth, depending on what else happens, it could be right into the college football playoff. I would not put right. that past the committee. And I also, you know, there is a scenario where there's no SEC team, but I'd have a that's really nuts, hard time right? thinking the ESPN and, and college football playoff powers that be, I have a hard time thinking they would be able to get that one across the finish line. Yeah. Just from yeah. a dollars and cents perspective. Yeah. That's why they need to let us into that meeting. I want to know. What <laughs> That's like the best idea, by the way. Yeah. But why not make it pay-per-view? I'd yeah. pay. I like that. Uh, Chris, we want to just give our predictions as well, or do you want to get one more question? And then uh, we'll so I, one more question. This is more of like a breakdown thing that I want to get your opinion on. We'll get you out of here, man. I, I, I really do. Those of you don't know, we are recording this late. It's my fault. We ran a little bit late too. Um, you know, as I'm, a guy who loves Nick Saban, you know, yeah. I, I've always, I've always prescribed a five minutes early is on time and on time is late. I think coach Saban would agree with that. And Marler's texting me, hold on, hold on, hold on. It's like, okay. Not like I have anything going on at, 10 p.m. on a Wednesday night, but it, it, I'm here for you. It's changing. I fired, I fired off that text to you, and I thought was hilarious at the time. And then as soon as I hit send, you're like, like JK, probably... JK. Obviously, I don't take it that seriously. Yeah. Thank um, you. Okay, so here's my here's my last like actual in game like assessment or, or analysis of, for, like that I would I want for you. If you're George's offense, because I think that one of the things has been awesome. I love the fact you brought up Kendall Milton. He has been playing his best football since he stepped on on campus there. But if you are Georgia's offense, what is what what are you going to do? Like, and I don't mean one guy, but like, how are you attacking the Bama defense? Well, th- there's a number of ways to attack. First off, Brock Bowers, right. he's going to play. He's going to be healthy. You've got to rely on him and scheme ways to get him the football. But yeah. the the biggest difference for Georgia in this game, um, and it rings true for every single one of these matchups. And this was an area which they struggled with early on in the season. They have got to score touchdowns when they get in the red zone. Yeah. If you kick field goals in the red zone against Alabama, it is a recipe for disaster. Right. And if you kick field goals against Alabama when you're in the red zone and you're getting three points instead of seven, and then maybe late in the game you end up missing one of those field goals, that's when the Alabama Sharks start circling the water and everybody in the stands sits there and goes, oh, shit. And then, of course, Nick Saban and the Crimson Tide walk out with a victory. So – You've got to put them away when you have the opportunity to. Is that just relying on Kendall Milton, who's been running extremely mean, and I love to see that physicality? It could be, you know, because he's been getting in the end zone. That's huge. Uh, Could it be Brock Bowers? Could it be Lab McConkey? Greg McElroy said on one of the college football ranking shows a couple weeks ago, this Georgia offense I think has had one half legitimately when they had Amarius Mims, Brock Bowers, and Lad McConkey all on the field at the same That's time. And he said that was the first half against Ole Miss, and they were essentially unstoppable. 
So they've got to just burn the ships in this game. You've got to get everybody out there. Um, And I think not having Brock Bowers for that four-week stretch during the season really freed up Carson Beck to just say, you know what, I'm going to utilize all my playmakers on the field. And it allowed him to start dialing up plays and getting the ball into everybody's hands. And, And he really progressed and was extremely efficient throughout that time. So spread the love, I guess would be my two cents. Don't just key in on one guy. Obviously you'd lean towards Brock Bowers, but all in all, you got to score touchdowns in the red zone. You cannot settle for three. You got to take seven against Bama or else they will just hang around and find a way. Oh, well, all right. I appreciate you joining us, man, for real. Um, <laughs> it always is a pleasure. You just, you just bummed him out, man. You did. Well, also, because he kept saying spread the love, and for some reason, offensive orgy came into my mind, and that kind of ruined my night. <laughs> That's weird. But yeah, yeah totally. Okay. Um, no, man, I, I, I don't think you're far off. I, I honestly, from a betting standpoint, too, I was going to tell you, like, I think this is what I did for the, the national championship game. I think Setson's was like, like, his numbers were like over one and a half passing touchdowns. I think Carson will have that. Um, and the other thing is, that if you can get an alternate line with Georgia double digits, I think that's a really good bet here because I, I, I really? still. I, I did, so here's the thing. We'll, we'll give our predictions real quick. I, I think <sighs> the thing that scares me the most. No, actually, we'll give, we'll give our predictions after you get off the thing. Because I got to pee. And I got I to gotta, I gotta regroup. You, you want me to give my prediction? You already did. Yeah, I did. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll give ours afterwards. I got to regroup. I'll text you what mine is, though. All right. I mean, remember, my wife went to Bama. I mean, this is a yeah. heated rivalry in our household. And look, I know Bama fans can be insufferable. And Marler, you certainly fall into that mix. You've always been so nice on my social media until this week. But I will say this. There is a specific niche of Alabama fans that are by far and away the worst. And they are female Alabama football fans, specifically that started their fandom in the mid to late 2000s when Coach Saban got there. My wife is in that category. So when people say, how can you say that? It's because I've been married to one for 10 years. Okay. They're crazy. Their expectations yeah. are sky high. They expect to win every game by 50 points. If a play is not a first down, they're not happy. If I change the channel, she's like, why are you changing the channel? I'm yeah, like, it's because it's a commercial. She's like, we uh, might miss a play. I'm like, I think we'll be okay. Um, so I got to go into this game and just hope we can get out of there with the win in Atlanta because that has not happened. No. Right? So I got, got the big monkey off the back with the national championship. It's time for DB to just walk out of that stadium on top. That's that's it's time. I understand why you're doing a ten o'clock podcast on Wednesday. You're sleeping in that office tonight, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I might be in here Saturday night too. We'll find out. Listen, man, we appreciate it for real. We'll have to. We'll we'll definitely do it again. So I'm sure during bowl season. Yeah. Um. But also, I'm gonna be in Atlanta uh, starting tomorrow. So let's get a beer and stuff like that. We'll we'll definitely chill. That oh, would be chill. great. That was kind of stupid. That would be awesome. Let's chill, bro. Let's, Let's chill, chill, bro. Cheers, boys. Appreciate you guys. And go, dogs. Let's have fun this weekend. No. Let's come oh, on. Red wine? Yeah. Yeah. What are you drinking? Little Malbec. It's it's yes. to go to bed. There Malbec. you go. Love it. Love it. All right, dude. We appreciate it. Y'all make sure you go check out the Punt and Pass podcast. So wait on my hat. I better get one while I'm there this week. Um, I got you. We'll get at you soon, man. All right. Cheers, guys. See you. See ya. He's the best. That was awesome. Put put the thing back up there, though. I gotta pee. All right, you go. I'm going to start breaking down my prediction here. Um, I've actually got a pretty similar prediction to Drew. Uh, Not quite as high scoring for either one, Um, but I just look at the thing that I think separates Georgia here is 
kind of their performance and what you would say maybe key situations. They are fifth in finishing drive. So Drew mentioned that you got to finish with touchdowns. They're fifth in the country in points per opportunity in the red zone. Love that for them. Third down conversions, which is obviously a key down. Uh, they're number one in the country. And on defense, they're number three in the country in stopping third downs. Uh, so I just think they've they got a their third and success rate. So they're they can move the ball down the field. I mean, one of their weaknesses on offense is is uh they, they're not too explosive, but they've been able to get it done without that. And Bama's 105th in stopping explosive plays, so they may Wait, be able what? to hit some here too. So my official prediction is going to be yeah, 35 to 24, Georgia. I think that's a good pick. How's the hair? Awful? Cool. All right. Here's the thing, Tyler. So most of the show on this game, I think people kind of expected that. I have, have tried to put myself in a position to work myself up into a frenzy. I wanted this to be like a, a fun strap, your, strap up your chin strap. Put on your strap on. It's time for ding dong time. Let's go roll tide or however the saying goes. Um, <laughs> I, I wanted this to be a, a situation where, and I even ran it by in my head where I was like, at four o'clock on Saturday, you got to fucking tee up that football and line up and play Alabama. But every time I said it, even to myself, I just kept thinking like, God, you got to play Georgia. And so here's, here's my, what I actually think is going to happen in that game. I think that Bama's going to surprise people early. I, I think that like, one of the things that Drew said, like they, they've scored, they, their opponent scored first, Georgia has in like, however, like six of the last seven or whatever it is. Um, Tennessee scored on first in the last three years in a row. I think Ole Miss came back and scored like at least tied it up early. Um, their opponent has has scored first in a lot of their games, and I think that's good for them to get confidence. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if that happens early. I wouldn't be surprised if the first half is is close because a lot of the first halves that Georgia's played this year, you know, even dating to South Carolina, not just Mizzou, South Carolina, like those games have been a lot closer than I think Georgia fans have anticipated. When I look at this game. What scares me is I think that Georgia can get away with at least one turnover and be fine. I don't know if that's the case for Bama because this offense for Georgia is so lethal and so good, and they're operating so efficiently, especially when healthy, which I think they will be for this, that I just don't know where you stop. I love Kool-Aid McKinstry. I think he's awesome. Like I don't don't think that whoever he's lined up against, I think he's going to have a very quiet day. Terry on Arnold, I think, is probably the most underrated defensive player at any position in the entire country. He has been incredible all year. I think that the the thing that I heard from Clint Lamb, friend of the podcast, said earlier this week was like, maybe you just take your chances and you try to line up a physical freak with another physical freak and just shadow um, um, Brock Bowers with Caleb Downs. And I, I that excites me because maybe maybe that's something. Maybe the only thing I can even think of like we're like comparing that to was in that 2012 national championship when Notre Dame had some like first round tight end, all world kid. And, and they, they put um, Bama's best defensive back uh, D Milner on the entire game. And, and maybe that's what happens, but still leaves the chance that you can't stop the run. You, you can't stop Kendall Milton. You can't stop Dejan Edwards. How do you stop Oscar Delp? How do you, we haven't even talked about Dylan Bell, Ra Ra Thomas, I think that Bama's going to be able to score some points. I think that you have to get this game late in the fourth. But what I truly believe, and I don't feel like this is an emotional hedge, 
What I truly believe is that I think this Bama team is better than people ever thought they were going to be. And I am proud as fuck to have watched this team from the start of the season to the, the end of the season. But I do think this is the end of the season for Bama. And I think that they're, they're going to get into your sixth game. And that's all fine. And I'm going to, I'm going to cheer as loud as fucking possible and admittedly be insufferable if they somehow pulled this upset. But Georgia has too much on both sides of the ball, I think, for 60 minutes against them. And what scares me the most about this game isn't worrying about Bama losing, because I do think they're going to lose. What scares me the most about this is if it gets late and Kirby wants to prove a point and show the entire fucking country, hey, this monkey, you guys thought it wasn't off my back because I've heard some of the rumors and murmurs and all that kind of shit, like like after even after 2021 in Indy, if you didn't think it was off my back now, watch this. And and that seven, 10 point lead that I think they win by turns into 17. And I like Georgia to win. I think they win 34 to 23. And I think it's a really good game. But that's what I think is going to happen. I just, I just think that Georgia is too good. I just think they're too good. And I think that this is going to be a, a game, like you heard about even some of the stuff coming out from practice, man. They, they know what's at stake and they know what they're capable of doing. And if there's one thing that Georgia has done the best of any program in the country, besides distributing the football, man, when it's when those fucking lights come on, when the brightest of lights come on, they show out. And I think that's what they'll do this Saturday, sadly. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, all right, let's go back to Friday, 8 p.m. <laughs> on ABC. Number five, Oregon, who's 11 and one, versus number three, Washington, who's 12 and 0. Washington, a nine-and-a-half-point underdog in this game. Total 66. This game is played in Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas, Nevada. you got two top, two of the top three Heisman candidates in this game. You've got the two best-ranked passing attacks. you got a rematch of a really good game earlier in the season. Um, Oregon leads the nation in scoring differential. Um, they're top ten in scoring offense and scoring defense. Meanwhile, uh, what is that? Washington leads, uh, or I'm sorry, uh, Washington. Meanwhile, has played six one score one or one yeah. possession games this year, including three consecutive ones. Um, and Oregon has just been laying waste to people as of late. Washington did get Jason or uh, Jalen McMillan back at receiver, which is big for them. They didn't have him in the first game and still managed to win. Um, I don't know, man. I, I just think the the weakness in this game is Washington's defense. They're 104th in defensive success rate. Oregon's first in the country in offensive success rate. That's... They should be able to move the ball down the field methodically pretty easily on Washington. And I don't think Washington's offense is as good as it was at the beginning of the season. I mean, they, no. they struggled to beat Arizona State, barely put up any points. You know, against Washington State, who has been up and down this season, but scored 24. You know, earlier in the season, they were putting up 40, 50 points every game. I just think they've kind of come back down to earth a little bit. Um, you know, another big stat differential. Oregon's third in the country in converting third downs. Washington's 86th in stopping them. Um, Oregon's a really good middle eight team. So that last four minutes of the first half and this, the first four minutes of the second half, they're top 10 in that. Yeah. I think Washington wants to leave no doubt that they belong in the playoffs. And I think they beat uh, Washington by double digits, 38 to 24. Yeah, I. So there's one thing I've been like harping on with with the Bama stuff. I can take this off now that I've already said I don't think they beat them. Um, 
there's one thing that I've been harping on with Bama a lot this year with the Vegas specifically is they seem to have been wrong a lot with like the, the lines that they put out for Bama. Kentucky, they were 10 point favorite. They went by 28, the other stuff, like, you know, um, like, like Auburn, obviously is, is maybe it's an anomaly, whatever. Um, but like most of these games, they're like a, a, a three to seven point favorite. They went by 14. Um, Texas, they're a seven point favorite. They lose by 10. This whole thing with, with Oregon, the, Vegas seems to have them figured out a little bit more. And the fact that this game opened at like eight and has now been bought up to only nine and a half. Um, I think it's huge. I, like, I think, I think that Vegas knows something the games they've played in Vegas. I, I, I will say, I don't think any of us should be shocked if, if Washington's able to win this game because going undefeated in the same conference as the team, they're almost a double digit, digit underdog to is and, is beat really, already. and beat already is, is really, really impressive. And I think Michael Penix has been awesome. Um, I saw people chastise the, the the notion that his Heisman moment might have been the third or that it was like twenty two to twenty or whatever it was against Oregon State and it was a third and two and they they ran like a like a twelve yard stop route that he just put right on the back shoulder as a perfect throw like this kid is really really good and he's already you know put up a lot of a lot of numbers against an Oregon secondary that can be vulnerable they they can be vulnerable I just think that Bo Nix is operating at a level that is crazy efficient crazy efficient they've also got the run game going and if you watch that utah washington game that was one thing that concerned me was utah was able to move the ball a bunch where um they were able to like like with a third string quarterback move the ball effectively i just have to think that oregon the difference maker for me is is probably dan lanning and i know what he's got with bo nix but dan lanning has shown time and time again that he knows how to get his players like up for games, especially ones that matter. And this is this is a different team. Like I, I, I'm, I remember saying in our preseason stuff, man. I thought that I thought that Oregon was like I was like one thing I know they're not going to do is, is have an offensive line that only gives up seven sacks. You know, look at like halfway through the season they did give up like five. It was like they're they're just so physically physically tough, and I don't want to say dominant, even though they kind of are. Um, I think Oregon's got too much for them. I, I think Washington will score. I do, and I think I love their offensive creativity and what they're what they're able to do in, in, in some different sets, especially with the receivers. But I think in a long, um, in, in like, a, you know, short story long, I think Oregon does win. I think there's a reason why that line is right where it's at. I think that they need to maybe even put on a little bit for the, the committee and show why they belong. And for Washington, it just kind of seems like they're waiting for the wheels to fall off. So I think the final score for me, I'm going to say, I, I think Oregon wins 41 to 28. Okay. Crazy, crazy stat on Bo Nix. So his actual completion percentage is 78.4, but that also includes 24 drops. So yeah. if his adjusted completion percentage is 85.7%. Right. Well, and then what's funny too is somebody, I forgot where I saw the stat, but somebody was like, he told Lanning, he was like, no, what we need to be operating as 85%. 85% is what we should be at. And then they, like, they're like, that's outrageous. And then like you look at his numbers and like with the drops, it's exactly what it would be. So. It's crazy. Um, all right, twelve noon on ABC on Saturday. Number eighteen, Oklahoma State, who is nine and three versus number seven, Texas, eleven and one. Texas, when I took these notes, was fourteen and a half. Drew said it's fifteen and a half now. Yeah. Uh, total fifty six. This game is in AT and T Stadium in Arlington, Texas. Texas has won six straight games ever since losing to Oklahoma, and Oklahoma State has won seven of their last eight 
Uh, weird stat that I didn't know. This is only Oklahoma State's second ever Big 12 title game. The last one was two years ago, right? I guess, yeah. I mean, like, they just... I just thought they had a little bit more success than that. Um, Texas looking for its first Big 12 championship win since 2009, mm-hmm. uh, which seems crazy. Um, interestingly, Oklahoma State in their last 10 against Texas is 7-3 straight, straight up and 7-3 against the spread. So they have traditionally played well against Texas. Yeah. I look at this game, obviously... Oklahoma State has the best running back in the country when it comes to rushing yards. He's Ollie Gordon. If you haven't yeah. heard of him, beast leads the nation beast. with fifteen hundred eighty yards. But man, I look at this Texas defense. They are stout. They nobody runs the ball on them. No, uh, they're top ten in every single advanced metric on the ru- on rush defense in the country. Yeah. Um, you can hit explosive plays on Oklahoma State, especially through the air. So I expect a big day for Quinn Ewers and A.D. Mitchell and Xavier Worthy. Um, I don't know if I agree with Drew. He said, you know, I think it's crazy that it's a and 15 and a half is getting a little high, but I think Texas is a lot better team than Oklahoma State. And ultimately, I think Texas wins 38-21 in this game. Mm-hmm. Again, another team that may feel like they have to make a statement they're up seven or ten points in the fourth quarter you know maybe they don't play conservative maybe they go for the jugular but yeah i've got texas 38 oklahoma state 21 i don't even know if oklahoma state scores 21 um i think you're spot on with what you're saying like we talk like like texas is it's weird because they have a little bit of ohio state to them where it's like okay well ohio state has a really really good offense Obviously, they have Ryan Day and all these like quarterbacks they put in, receivers they put in the NFL, blah blah blah. And and like Texas has that, like they they've got a good quarterback, Quinn Ewers, who's been who's been maybe not the year that they were hoping he would have, but he's had a really really good year. Um, one of the things I think we don't talk about enough about with Texas outside the outside of the defense as well is this is a team that played almost three full games without a starting quarterback. I mean, they, they had a they had their backup in for for three games, especially like in the second half, like the second half of the season, like when it mattered most, right? Um, and they've got a lot of talent in that quarterback room, but that's still very difficult to do and still be in contention for the national championship, as you would also know, right? Like it, it's it's just very difficult to do. Um, I think that Texas, if, if there's anything that makes me believe that this is not close, because Ollie Gordon is awesome, right? Um, 57 to 7. That game against Texas Tech. Yeah. They beat they beat a team that Oregon beat by eight. They beat them by 50. And I think that I think they're good enough to they really want to prove a point. And and, he, and here's the thing, Tyler. There, there's there's multiple points to be made. Let's go be champions. Somebody saw Sark say in that locker room after the, the game against uh Texas Tech. So you get your first goal out of the way. Let's let's go win a championship and, and win the Big 12. Then it's hey, let's also Let's win the Big 12 in our last year in the Big 12 with all the shit talk that we heard, even from the commissioner, like double birds, see you later. And then let's make the playoff and let's leave no doubt because it's the team that has played multiple ranked opponents. They have the 13th ranked strength of schedule in the country. They have all these, these, these data points that would give them, like, I don't know how they're still being disrespected by the committee. I think they win by, by maybe 20 plus to be honest i i think this is a blowout so i i think i'll say texas 
44. That seems like a lot, though. That seems like a lot. Uh, you know what? I'll say Texas 38 to 13. Okay. All right. Uh, Saturday night, 8 p.m. on ABC, number 14, Louisville, who's 10 and 2. I think that's the last. No. Okay. Uh, versus the show with Michigan, Iowa. Fine. Saturday, 8 p.m. on Fox. Number two, Michigan, 12 and 0 versus number 16, Iowa, who is 10 and 2. Uh, the line is plus 23 and a half now, 22 and a half. Totals 35. Uh, this is in Lucas Oil Stadium uh, in Indianapolis, Indiana. I was talking in my office today about this game for about 20 minutes. What uh, would you go over or under this total? I wouldn't touch the total. It's terrifying. Yeah. It's, I mean, 35 and a half for a championship game is stupid. I would say I would probably go. I don't, I don't know. Is like Harbaugh's back. Are they trying to win big? Or are they trying to like, actually like, we don't need to show anything. And like, cause they, they don't need, they don't need to do anything to beat this team. Have you watched Iowa play? Iowa's team total is six and a half. So I feel like it's a race to 10. Tyler, the team total for Iowa, I'm looking at it right now. It's over on, on DraftKings, it's over seven and a half, and it's plus 160. <laughs> well, well, I, I liked it at six and a half better because at least you can maybe get like a fluke touchdown special teams defense, like I said. Um, I don't like the seven and a half. I can't, do, I can't get there. No, I don't know how they would score. Jeez. Right. So you just really is how much Michigan how much is Michigan gonna score? Right. I mean, Iowa has played some I was looking at it earlier today, like they've won multiple games scoring less than 15 points. That's almost fucking impossible to do, not in 1923. Yeah. They constantly have like I, I've never seen a team. That is somehow when I look at like the the like ESPN like scoreboard, the number five is is on there sing, like a singular number five. It's it is it's fourteen to five. It's five to three. It's five like yeah. What is How do you keep getting five? Yeah. <laughs> I have like I don't. This this game obviously is the one that's not really in doubt. Yeah. Um, I'm going twenty eight to six. Every under, the under, every under hits with Iowa. It really does. I'm going twenty-eight to six. I don't. I just don't think they can score. Twenty-eight zero. I mean, I mean, I, no. I, I think so. Michigan. I'm looking at their numbers right now. They're at. So yeah, their their numbers twenty-seven and a half. Like their team total, which I love. Also, Michigan over. Here's the best bet of this game: Michigan over two and a half total touchdowns. Yeah, that's a good bet. I I I think Michigan is clearly the better team. I don't know if there's any, like I don't know if they're injured. I don't know any of any of that stuff. I don't know what like they're trying to prepare for. For like, I I will say that there's got to be some part of them that's looking at this like, all right, what is on the horizon? Because we got our asses handed to us in, in Glendale last year in the semifinal by TCU. 
And what do we need to do to make sure that we are at least in the national championship game? Like, let's not give away too much stuff. Let's not do anything. And let's also, like, let's also not forget this. You remember that, that game last year against Purdue wasn't, like, completely not in doubt until the second half. Yeah. So I, I think that they win. I don't see how Iowa scores. I will say I cannot bring myself to saying the over. I, I think it's 34 to 3. I, I mean, this is the That's worst the game. You pick the over. There's just like no, there's no part of me that wants to partake in this. Yeah. This is like watching, like if, if, if you went to your friend's house and like, hey, um, I know we were going to play video games, but like, what if you just watched my family play Monopoly for the next three to seven hours? You in? I'd be like, no, I'm going to call my mom and tell her to come fucking pick me up. Who did Iowa play last week? Minnesota? Nebraska. Nebraska, yeah. So that was on on Friday, and that's when I did Thanksgiving, and my brother-in-law came over, and we were like, let's, let's gamble on some games. Flipping through, I'm like, I, I just can't do Iowa Nebraska. I just can't. Like, I would rather go, I don't know, have my kids scream at me for an hour and endure that than have to watch the entire Iowa Nebraska game. I will tell you, it was it was kind of it was kind of fun, <laughs> like, like, but only because like I got it at thirteen to ten, right? Final. It was thirteen to ten. The over under was twenty five and a half. Okay, <laughs> but, like it was so ripe for like, okay, I'm taking the over. I'm gonna tease the shit out of it. Like that was like, it, like, listen, if you're telling me that both teams are gonna be over or under fourteen and a half, that's crazy. So it was it was easy to tease. Um, I'll take Michigan. I think Michigan is a is a good team. I think that they're going to they're clearly the better team out of these two. Um, also, like, but like, shout out to Iowa for getting to ten wins. Yeah, I mean, they the worst ten win team in the history of college football. They legitimately averaged eighteen points a game, and they have ten wins. How many points did they have to get to, to for his son to keep his job? Twenty five, not even close per game. Per game, which is three hundred and sixty. Yes. Yes. Right? No. 360. Are you talking about total points for the year? Yeah. Yeah. 25 times 12. So it was, it was 300 even. And they averaged 18. So 18 times 12 is like, hold on, 180 plus uh, 36. So it's 216. So they, they, need to average, they need to score 85 points in this game <laughs> for him to keep his job. I honestly, I was tell, telling us to Jeff today, I think there's a world where Jim Harbaugh would would go up to Kirk Ferentz and be like, hey, listen, I get families. Totally get it, dude. If you promise that you let us win this game, I'll let you score 85. And just keep his son employed for like the long term because yeah. they need it. We'll win this game 90 to 85. Yeah. Let's just, yeah. Uh, all right. Last game here. 8 p.m. on ABC. Number 14, Louisville, 10 and 2 versus number 4, Florida State, 12 and 0. Florida State, a two-and-a-half-point favorite, total 48. This game at Bank of America Stadium in Charlotte, North Carolina. So for those of you that haven't watched Louisville this year, which I assume most probably haven't, uh, their offense is consistently ahead of the chains. They're 11th in success rate. They were third in uh, returning production this year on the offensive side of the ball, so a lot of experience on the offense. They don't hit explosive plays, and they're 105th in havoc rate allowed. Yeah, I like yeah. that. De- Florida State's defense is fifth in the country and have a great 
um, on defense. So I like that matchup for Florida State. They hit their fourth in the country in explosive plays. So I like that as well. Um, they have a really good one-two punch at running back. Jawar Jordan's over 1,000 yards. The backup, Isaac Guerin uh, Rendo. Both, both of them averaging over six yards per carry. Eddie Guerrero. <clears throat> right. <clears throat> Jamari Thrash at receiver. Um, really good receiver. 800 wow. yards, six touchdowns on 56 catches. You can turn Louisville over, which is what I think Florida State is going to need to have like a couple turnovers wow. in this game. Yeah. It, and if they want to win comfortably, I think they're going to need to to have at least two turnovers. Plummer's throwing 11 interceptions. If you remember Jake Plummer, he's been kind of all over the country, but he was at Purdue with Jeff Brom last year. Jake so, Plummer? Jack, Jack Plummer. Jack Plummer. Jack Plummer. Jack Plummer. Jack Plummer. I was Plummer. like, yeah. Uh, they're 53rd in the country in giveaways per game. Florida State is first in the country. They don't turn the ball over. Yeah. So in that regard, I do like Florida State. Mm hmm. Am I in love with the Tate Rodemaker offense thus far? No, but I also think good dancer. The great dancer. There was a lot of pressure on him last week to basically go into the swamp, first ever yeah. real start. Um, and you can't lose to Florida with this Florida no. team. No. And so I think he was actually probably has more pressure on him last week than he did this does this week. I agree. With um it's not going to be nearly as hostile of an environment. And if you watch that game, which 5.7 million people did, so love sure it. A lot of people, um, he was put in terrible situations to start that game. We ran three plays in the first quarter in that game. Okay, three why? Plays. We they had like a long ass drive. Oh yeah, you're right. Goal, we went three and out, and then they had another long ass drive. Okay, so part of it was just like our defense couldn't get off the field, but they were holding Florida in check. Um, Louisville will give up the explosive play. They're 121st in the country and giving up explosives. Obviously, Florida State kind of feasts off that with Keon Coleman, Johnny Wilson. Louisville has a very aggressive defense. They're going to be sending the house a lot. Yeah. Florida State's last two of their last three opponents, Miami and Florida, that's what their defenses do. So I like that Rodemaker's seen that at least against Florida. Um, I think with another week, I think. Rodemaker could settle in a little bit more, manage the game, let Trey Benson in the running. Louisville is very good at stopping the run, but I think Trey Benson, kind of what you did in the Florida game, two yards yeah. here, three yards here, and then hit an explosive. Um, I like Florida State to win, 34-24, win by 10. Um, a lot of people are picking against them in this game. A lot of people want them out of the playoff no matter what. I think if you're a Georgia or Michigan fan, you want Florida State to win because you yeah, want you to know. be able to play a backup quarterback. Pretty much everybody else wants them to lose. So I think with all the negative talk around them and are they deserving to get in, I think they've probably heard it. And they themselves want, are going to play very motivated. The whole shtick of the team right now is, you know, finish for 13, yeah. Jordan Travis. And so I think they'll get it done. I don't think they'll get left out of the playoffs, but then I think they will probably get smoked by Georgia in the first round. So wouldn't be great, but I'd love to be there. And I'm I'm just like you on this team, like you are on Bama. Like I've enjoyed the hell out of this season. Yeah. And to be honest with you, like I'll be disappointed if they lose this game, but I'm not gonna be that disappointed because it's like, well, shit, you know, yeah. Tate Rodemaker, like it is what it is. But Tate Tate. Like I've just completely fell in love with this team and what they've been all season. It's been a hell of a time watching them. To to think that two years ago we were five and seven and lost yeah. to Jacksonville State. To be twelve and zero now is is pretty incredible. So. 
I think they win and they they complete their their uh, journey of getting back to winning the ACC. But we'll see. 34-24. Let me ask you a question for some of these numbers and you tell me what you think from an over-under standpoint, okay? Okay. Trey Benson, right? Running back? Mm-hmm. Over-under 92 and a half yards. Under. Okay. Johnny Wilson, over-under 57 and a half yards. Over. Keon Coleman, over under 47 and a half yards. He's had a slow end to the season. He's been hampered by injury. Um, that's pretty low, though. Very low. I'm going to go over as well. So I think if you're Mike Norvell, you take Tate Rodemaker and you say, hey, hey, as soon as you're done doing that um, talk tick, is it called Tick Talk? Tim Tim Tom. Um. And you just come over here, and I want, I want to talk to you a second. And then he'll get done doing, like, which I'm pretty sure he only knows one dance, and it's just the nay-nay. Yeah. Just dating. Well, I mean, but if you think about most white males, that's we, we, we've got one move, and we just stick to it. I can whip and nay-nay, I'll be honest with you. Okay, all right. Yeah. Um, but here's the thing. I think if you're Mike Norvell, you say, listen, I just watched Louisville get beat. They got their brains beat in by who was it? Pitt. Yeah, we're better than Pitt. Yeah. Also, watch them get beat by Kentucky. We're better than Kentucky. Yeah. And then you say, "Listen, like there's a lot coming at you, right? Like that was that was crazy. You're in front of ninety one thousand, like angry, angry smoked. rival fans. Say what? It got absolutely smoked. Like I'm not actually totally sure that he doesn't have a concussion and he's actually right. playing the game. Also I mean, true. I'm true, but. But, like, then you say, like, hey, listen, here's the deal, though. This is all not on your shoulders. I want to show you a couple of people. Here's Trey Benson, one of the best running backs in the conference, if not the country. And if that's not good enough for you, we can just hand the ball off to him and beat this team because our defense is is still really, really good. We're going to get after their ass, especially off the edge, like, the entire night. If that's not good enough, here's Keon Coleman. And here is Johnny Wilson, who's a 1,000 feet tall. Throw the ball up. As well, what's that? Jaheim Bell as well, but Jaheim's yeah. been injured throughout the second half. But he's he had a big catch against Florida. I mean, they've got the weapons. Tate just needs to settle in, and he's got to distribute the rock. So here's all of here's all the weapons we have for you at your disposal. And you're right, he like Keon Coleman has had a little bit of a like a, a slower into the season. He got but injured he is- uh, against, I think it was Wake. And he sat out the pit the next game against Pitt and has been pretty lackluster ever since. Either way. Yeah. I think you look at him and say that we are trying to get the cultural playoff. Yep. When you, like the, the longer the season goes on, it's more of the Kiffin whiteboard thing of the story that I've told a thousand times on this podcast, which is draw the five fucking numbers on the board, whatever it is. And in this case, it's what, 88 or whatever, number 14, number, number four, four, number three, number and number six. six. And say, get them the fucking ball because Louisville cannot hang with us for sixty minutes. And and I, I understand that like maybe people don't think that you're Jordan Travis and, and Jordan's great. Jordan's not on this team right now, right? Like like he's he's with us in spirit. He's gonna be watching in the press box. This is your team. We, like what what was Rodemaker out of high school? What was his, what was his ranking? He was a three star. He was low three star, but he played at Valdosta High, won a state championship there, and won a state player of the year award. I mean, he wasn't bad. Yeah. I just I don't know why he was ranked so low, but yeah, he's, he's son of a son of a head coach. Like his, his dad was a coach on the team. What's that? I wish I hadn't asked the question. Either way, 
<laughs> I would have, I would tell this kid, I'd say, listen, like you're a fucking quarterback at Florida State for a reason, yeah. and you've got weapons everywhere, and you've got an offensive, you've got an offensive line to block for you, you've got an offensive coordinator and a, and a head coach that believe in your in your talent, and I tell you, the the number one thing I, I, I that makes me think that they have belief in this kid to go win them a football game is honestly what they chose to do when he was out, which is, hey, we're still going to run the offense. We're not going to yeah. freak out, and we're not going to just run the football. First play from scrimmage with his backup, they yeah. threw the football against Florida. I think you go into this game and you say, listen, we're a better team. We're a better team than Louisville. And, and there's 22 fucking guys on that field and, and like um, and that roster that are going to impact this game. Like There's 21 other ones that are going to impact this game just as much, if not more, than, than you are. Like – just go out there, be a point guard, don't turn the ball over, and get the fucking ball to our playmakers who are some of the best playmakers in the country. And I think that he's going to be able to do that enough times, and the defense will be I, – I, I honestly just think that whenever I look at this Florida State team and, – and don't get me wrong, Tyler. Like, if Bama wins, I will be pulling for Louisville. I love you to death. You're one of my best friends, and I'm, I'm, I'm so happy that we can do this podcast together. I will be pulling for Louisville. Yeah, you have that to. Said, I just think that this is – this is like one of these stories that we're not looking at with through the right lens. And that is what a, what an incredible story that we have like at our fingertips and just been like a backup quarterback leading his team with like against all odds into the cultural playoff. And, and on top of that, you get to do it in the weakest fucking conference. You are the class of the conference. Go win the game, go in the game, prove everyone wrong. I think you still get in. There's not, there's no way they, they put in 13 and 0 undefeated power five champion on the outside looking in. So TikTok Tate, go win us a game. I think Florida State wins this game. Um, the line scares me a little bit. I think they they're able to pull away late, but I'll say I think Florida State wins probably thirty three to twenty seven. Okay, take that all day. Uh, all right. Well, that's gonna be the show. Uh, as always, we really appreciate y'all listening to the show. We really help us in the growth of the show. If you would rate us five stars on Apple and Spotify, leave us a review. We will read the best ones on air and like, and subscribe to the YouTube page. Uh, don't forget to call the hotline 770-674-8233. We promise we'll play them this week. Yes. We did not do a lot of last week. Uh, don't forget to check out the videos and clips from the show. That's at sat down South on Twitter at Saturday down South on Instagram and TikTok. Saturday down South on YouTube for Chris I'm Tyler. Good luck this weekend and all your games. We'll see you on Sunday.